Eon Prime, Part 1, Phoenix, Quinn's Notes. Jin has the power to manipulate metal. Thomas psychically controls water. Sarah can generate copies of herself, as well as summon lethal light energy. Cassidy generates devastating blue malleable mist. Joseph can bend fire at will. These five are known throughout the galaxies as the protectors. After synchronizing with the mystic force that granted them their superpowers, diamond-shaped different-colored gemstones manifested on each of their foreheads. The heroes teamed up with the Tent Division of Earth, which is a private military aimed to bring peace to all worlds. The Protectors' mysterious abilities allowed them to morph into white light in order to merge into a doppelganger of the source of all magic. In this form, they appear as a giant swordsman, which contains all of their powers. Chapter 1, The Protectors, Year 2988. The Protectors, in the form of a titanic warrior, are currently levitating hundreds of feet above the brown sand. In this conjoined mode, their skin is pale and incandescent. Their eyes radiate gold. Its head is bald and the figures clothed in the black kimono and sandals. In their hands are two steel swords covered in fire. The sandstorm below is blinding the four different titanically built opponents who are dripping with dark slime that oozes from their mouths and eyes. One of them is a gorilla with the tail of a scorpion. It has four arms, massive and extremely sharp teeth, and sable fur. Another is a two-headed rhino with an incredible amount of strength and speed. Its horns are sharpened, standing on two robust legs. It also has exceptionally strong antipoid arms and proportional human hands. The last two are both lion hybrids that have the arms and legs of a man and ferocious paws. One is covered in ebony hair and the other in white. The main beasts are capable of flying with the use of their feathered wings and have exceedingly sharp claws, as well as dragon-like spiked tails. Suddenly, the lions break out of the storm and pursue the protectors. The Colossus turns to face its opponents. Simultaneously, as the heroes focus an energy blast, which expels out of their fang-filled mouth at the ivory one, who attempts to block the attack with its crossed forearms, the fire frosts from their flaring eyes at the other. This beam of ice freezes its target, and after falling to the ground, it shatters into thousands of shards. The lion's guard fails. Once the laser catches its face, its lifeless body is flung into the sand. The intense weather begins to dissipate. Right before the remaining ogres, who are nervously scanning their whereabouts, are able to spot them, the mountainous blade wielder breaks apart into the individual team members. They're wearing matching black compression suits, excluding Joseph, whose lower half is covered with metallic armor. On their feet are dark futuristic Jigatabi boots. They roll upon touching down behind their enemies. Jin creates two ginormous swords that levitate over each of his shoulders, and Joe aims his gun blast technique at the gorilla in sync. They propel their projectiles into the same foe. Jin's blades penetrate to the back of its head, while Joe's beam connects with its upper back, instantly causing it to fall over onto its face. His body hitting the sand generates a brief quake. To defeat the last enemy, Cassidy summons six prodigious open hands and sends them at the monstrosity. They grab on each of the mutant rhino's arms and legs, as well as its two horns, and apply pressure, which effectively slows down the Hulk, who's charging at the team. While this occurs, Sarah creates sin of her copies and bolts up to its position. She and her clones expel bursts of silver energy into its face through their eyes. This completely obliterates one of the heads, causing its red blood to squirt out and cover the surrounding area. Thomas finally ends this fight by landing on the beast's constrained head and thrusting two spears into its remaining eyes. No! screams a strange distant voice. The heroes form into the flying swordsman and advance in the voice's direction. It's Mr. Lava, 
a mad scientist who specializes in turning regular animals into ghouls and freaks. He's wearing a special helmet that allows him to control the mind of his creations. He lowers his binoculars and hops atop his steed's neck. He hugs on tight as the enormous crow lifts off with great haste. After a brief chase, they move away from the desert and are now flying over treefield forests. The glimmering red ray from their mouth cannon connects with the bird, causing it to crash land to the plant life below. The protectors dive to the impact zone and split apart. They instantly spot both the mutant animal, who is disintegrating into inky ooze, and lava, whose body lies still in the dirt. That's ten million more in the bank, says Jen. Cassidy retrieves Lava's body and places him over her right shoulder. Two weeks later, Sebastian, the male Tint Division member who's wearing his military attire, is sitting at his desk. His communicator is attached to his ear, but holding its center button down, he continues the conversation with the client. I hear you, Mr. Quinn. I understand why you're so up in arms, but the guys are on vacation right now. The best I can offer you with what you're bargaining with is Squad 11. Now, if you don't like that option, then you're going to have to find somebody else. Tom is now sporting blue flannel, a gray tank top, and advanced compression pants, along with Joe, who's clothed in a flame-resilient black Adidas tracksuit, make their way into the small office. The officer's attention is captured by the men. One moment, please, sir, the receptionist says. He releases his finger from the device on his ear and acknowledges them. What's up, guys? Tom asks, who are you on the phone with? Someone that's offering 10 mil for a job that involves undead parasites and a desolate moon within the Garbo galaxy. Sounds like fun to me, responds Joseph. I told him you're on vacation. Thomas approaches his desk and says, let me talk to him. Sebastian removes the communicator and hands it to him. He equips it. Hello, sir, this is Thomas. I'm one of the members of the protectors. You mind explaining to me the details of this operation? Many hours have passed and the protectors are positioned near the railing that borders the ocean. Jin is wearing a white tank top and dark compression shorts. Sarah is dressed in a black hoodie and jeans, and Cassie is fitted in her tent division uniform. They're standing beside each other and are facing the sea and sunset ahead. So you're sure about going through with this? asks Jin. Yeah. In fact, this job came at the perfect time, answers Thomas. Why is that? Sarah asks. Well, the same day that my wife passed away is in just two weeks. I wanted to head out to Earth and visit her grave, as well as take the opportunity while I'm there to contribute some money to the charity where I'm from. There was a bad storm that hit recently and things aren't looking good. I think with this check I can do a lot for them. I got my man Joe backing me up on the mission too, so there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, there is. We've never dealt with this type of opposition before. Plus, you said they're parasites. What if they get in your brain and make you go crazy? Before you know it, we'll have to come in. Jen, shut up. Nothing like that is going to happen. This will be a walk in the park, states Joe. All right, fine. By the way, if anything seems sketchy, don't hesitate to call. Jen, we won't be needing your help, interjects Tom.